Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Gym Class All-Stars brought to you by the Vigit Sports Betting app where you can bet fake coins and win real prizes. Download the app today using our promo code ALLSTARS. Welcome back everyone to our brand new episode here. We have a lot to get to as the world of sports had a lot of significant events. Of course, the Olympics are going on all around us, but we also had the MLB trade deadline, the NBA draft, and a whole slew of trades and signings across all the sports. So we're going to get right into it here. We're going to start in the MLB real quick before we get into the deadline news. The one bit of information that we have not regarding trades is that the Rays star pitcher Tyler Glass now is going to miss the rest of the season and possibly more as he's going to have Tommy John surgery sometime next week. Very unfortunate. The promising young pitcher is having a fantastic season. The Rays are having a fantastic season, um, but hopefully he gets comes back gets to come back healthy sometime next year when the Rays and the Rays are a good young team right now, so they'll still be competing. Hopefully he'll be able to slide right back into the rotation. Tough tough break for the Rays, but you know. You got you to deal with what you can, and maybe, maybe they were able to make some moves here. The trade deadline was a massive one here this, off, this season. Four or five different teams just overhauling their roster, just fire-sailing everybody, the Cubs, the Nationals, the Rangers, all these teams, and a lot of the big names were the big buyers. A lot, a lot of the teams at the top of the division were the big buyers. So I, I tried to break it down here kind of by the, the fire-sale teams. So we're going to start – my personal favorite, the Chicago Cubs. As we talked about this the past few weeks, the Cubs were going to maybe maybe send everybody away. And, wow, they sent everybody away. It started with Anthony Rizzo getting sent to the Yankees. Cubs fans heartbroken by that one. But uh, what, what, what did you think Rizzo was going to be the first one to go? I was a little bit surprised. I thought Chris Bryant would be the first one to be traded, to be quite honest with you. He was – I think the last one, well, I don't I know, Javier Baez and him were pretty much last minute. But yeah, Rizzo going to the Yankees, very interesting. The Yankees have suffered throughout this year, despite having, I believe, the biggest payroll, if not the biggest and the second biggest in baseball, and really have not done a whole lot. They went out, they got Rizzo, and he's already hitting home runs there, so not too shabby. Mm-mm. It's, I think what's surprising, we thought the Cubs would suck this year. We were kind of wondering when are they going to blow it up because they weren't going to give extensions to Bryant or Rizzo, you know, the, the remnants of their 2016 team. Finally, though, they're actually like, they're doing pretty well with the limited resources. And this was, hey, we're fire sailing everything. Effectively, everything's gone from the 2016 championship team. And they're, they're starting fresh, to say the least. I think, see, for deadline deals, when they say, oh, we're moving star player and we'll put insert prospect here, it's one of those things you always see it and you're like, all right, like, whatever. It, it's in retrospect, maybe one of those prospects will pan out. But to me, yeah, you just get rid of the players, you save some cap. And, yeah, the, the Cubs have started fresh and – you got the Yankees definitely buying in. They're not afraid to spend in hopes of maybe getting a wild card spot and probably losing the wild card game if they make it in. The Giants <laughs> decided to just go all in in a tough division, getting, uh, say, still a pretty good third baseman in Chris Bryant. And then uh, finally, 
Javier Baez going to the Mets and don't don't say that. Don't remind me. But like I I I like Javier Baez. I don't know how much like how useful he'll be on the Mets to be honest. I mean well, right now, he'll probably his usefulness will be maximized because Lindor's on the IL and Lindor's been having a bad season. Sure. When he comes back, it'll be interesting because he'll probably have to shift over to second base, which is unfortunate. But he he's a versatile infielder; he's fine. He'll figure it out. But like, yeah, he I mean he he, he hits he, you know he gets RBIs when guys get on base. But he's batting like two forty four ish, like not great. He only helps so so much, which is good because the Mets probably spend a decent amount on him in terms of prospects. So. You would hope the Cubs were kind of like just getting rid of anybody for anything, but we'll see. I mean, that, that was pretty much the only big deal the Mets made other than Rich Hill a little bit before. Um, the only other thing the Cubs, well, no, not the only other thing. The Cubs did trade a lot of other pieces. The other big one that, to note though, uh, Craig Kimbrell, their closer who had, was having a spectacular year an ERA under 0. 0.5 uh, was sent to the White Sox. And that's interesting just because they've had this, you know, solid closer in Liam Hendricks all year. It's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be, you know, splitting save opportunities or, or if Kimbrell maybe is just going to get thrown right into the bullpen. But, I mean, he's having one of the best seasons he's ever had here. and You know, you don't want to necessarily just give up on that. So, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that there, but that was a good ad for them at the very least. Well, yeah, it's a great ad, but you're right. Sometimes it's about fit and, like, how do you use these guys – to the best of their abilities. I don't, I don't know who I'd ride with. I don't think you could really do a setup and closer with them because they're both mm-hmm. primarily closers. And, you know, Hendricks had a great season. Kimbrell's pretty well established at this point. I, I tend to say always ride out your player. I mean, maybe you could do Kimbrell kind of setup. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where if you can make it work, it'll be – dominant but i tend to believe there'll be it's going to be a, a tough fit to start but i think hendrix will be able to still kind of do what he's been doing basically yeah i would expect hendrix to at least for the time being hold hold the role of closer maybe if he starts to struggle that that's where the you know kimbrell can step in but like it's just tough because kimbrell is having such a dominant season but you know Either way, he's in a he's in a better situation as the White Sox are more than likely going to be a top seed in the, in the AL. So, you know, he, he, at the very least, he's he's committing to something bigger. So the Cubs really no more. They're probably not going to make a whole lot of noise in the NL anymore. But who knows? We'll see. A lot of time for some new guys to make some some name. Patrick Wisdom is going to be a guy who's going to get a lot more playing time. Um, so we'll see who else they call up and, and bring into the starting lineup. Moving forward, though, the Padres, we knew they were going to be going after some players. Thought they were going to maybe be getting Scherzer. That didn't necessarily work through. They did end up bringing an all-star second baseman, Adam Frazier, from the Pirates. Frazier having a fantastic season, batting well above 300. Going to fill an infield spot that they needed to fill desperately as Pro Faro's really cutting the bill. Um, Was this enough, though, to help the Padres really kind of assert some dominance, especially if they're, you know, at this point, probably going to be stuck in that wild card match? So Adam Frazier to me is a great addition. I mean, all-star player. You're putting him on a pretty great team already. You got Machado, Tatis. That's, that is a solid, exceptional team. So in a vacuum, great move. Love it. 
However, which we'll get to very shortly, you know, the Giants made moves. We talked about Bryant's, and that's, that's definitely a great addition. But uh, the other NLS counterparts, the name I don't think we're allowed to speak, or it's, it's like mm-hmm. the boogeyman. Just mm-hmm. it, you speak it, and they get dominance. They made some pretty, how do I put it, aggressive, great, I don't know. They made some very big, bold moves. So I like the addition, but uh, should we just get to the Dodgers? Or do you want to talk about just the Nationals fire sailing everyone? Uh, yeah. Well, really quick, though, before we do that, I just want to say I do th- – I agree. They may It might not have been enough of a move, but I think they might have, again, with the exception of maybe the team we're about to get to, the best infield in baseball in Machado, Tatis, Frazier, Hosmer. That's, that's a pretty stacked infield. But as you mentioned – the Dodgers do exist. The Nationals were happy to oblige as they didn't just give the Dodgers one of the best pitchers in baseball and Max Scherzer. They gave them one of the best shortstops, maybe the best shortstop in baseball in Trey Turner, both to the Dodgers for some minor leaguers. This is going to be a trend for the Nationals as we're going to get to here as they, they sent just about everybody on their team away. But this, I mean, this, the balance in baseball is going to swing even further. The Dodgers aren't even, they're getting healthier and now they're acquiring all-star talent. What, what, what are the Padres, the Giants, the, the, the lowly Phillies? What are we supposed to do? I don't think anything. Like, that's the problem there. While, you know, a salary cap can be super annoying. It, this is the issue without having one. You have teams that just with big payrolls and, big market cities that'll just go absolutely berserk. And the other thing too, while they may lose a game here too, I mean, baseball is random like that. You play 162 games in a seven game series. I mean, we talked about it earlier. If Bauer somehow comes back, which I don't think he will, your starting rotation becomes Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller. You have Trevor Bauer. You got Max Scherzer now, and then you could throw in like a David Price. You got uh, there's a few other people you could even throw in there too, and that's that's just a starting four. And then you could have a week of pitchers. Don't you have to like you could give them so much rest, and that's just insane, annoying, and who knows? I mean, the Dodgers are like this every year. I mean, they they're exceptionally well, but they've you know they have lost before. They are beatable. I don't know. Really? I'm a little, it's it's shocking. I know. I know. Dare I say they're incredibly Vince. They will lose. But yeah, this is one of those moves where you just sit there and kind of like, I know this is going, this is bad. This is, this is very, very bad. It's, but we persevere as fans, especially because at the very least we did get to see the nationals rip their team to shreds, which was spectacular. That's good. Um, continuing on that, they sent, Kyle Schwarber to the Boston Red Sox as the Red Sox are trying to make a push with the Rays to try and win their division out in the AL East. Schwarber, an all-star this year, went on an absolute tear in May into June to get there. They sent closer Brad Hand to the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are interesting. They, they had been rotating around their closer situation, and then they finally settled on Jordan Romano. And then they go out and acquire Brad Hand. So we'll, we'll see what they do. I would expect them to use Brad Hand as the primary closer. As it's, I mean, he, he's a spectacular closer. He had a, he had a rough last month, but you know that that's why you kind of go out and get a player like that is you want him to be your your everyday closer. 
So, and then the Blue Jays also a team that's going to be competing for one of those wild card spots. Is you know their their offense is great. It's the pitching that they need some help with. Uh, the Nationals also sent Lester and Hack to St. Louis. St. Louis having a rough year. This this maybe isn't the biggest of trades, especially with Lester having a tough year. But for the name's sake of it, figured we'd throw him in there. And then I believe there was one more. Oh no, that that was it for the Nationals though. In terms of the the big name players, but sending sending players all over the league, all, all over the conferences. Um, the Yankees continued to buy as they got both Andrew Haney from the Angels and Joey Gallo from the Rangers. The Rangers, another team that we're selling, we'll get to towards the end of our report on, on the trade deadline here. Um, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, all making big moves. The Rays, we just talked about having a big injury. They did trade for Nelson Cruz a little bit earlier in the week. We talked about last last episode. Which one of these teams has made made the best moves in terms on getting on pace to win that division or, or really contend for the top top seeds there? Well, I would say the, in terms of moves, the Yankees made the best moves. I mean, I saw a stat. It was Joey Gallo as a left-hander has more home runs this year than all the Yankees left-hander batters combined. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Gallo's had a great year, but you know that's just kind of how – it's, it's a good first step. I mean, Stan has been, we'll call it nothing short of horrendous this year. And, you know, they still need those hitters, those power players, and they went out and got them. Is it enough to beat the Red Sox? I don't think so. The Red Sox are quite literally red hot this year, and, you know, give them credit. They had a bad year last year after getting rid of Mookie Betts, but have unfortunately picked up kind of where they left off. I think the Blue Jays are a little bit like too little too late, but you know, maybe if they can kind of stick with the players they got and it's not like a, a six month rental, then that's a good first step. But I would say the Red Sox with getting Schwarber, that's kind of, I think that's kind of the best team. Like it's, they got minimally better, but they're still the best team in the AL East. I understand. I understand. Um, yeah, Schwar- Schwarber was just a good boost to whatever they were doing. He'll throw in at outfield and some DH every once in a while. Um, one one I did miss for the Blue Jays, they also acquired Jose Barrios. So that's a good starting pitcher, again, trying to help with that, as that's really where their struggles have come. But I, I think you're right. I don't know if anybody necessarily got better than the Red Sox. But the, Yan- the Yankees made the moves you would expect a team like the Yankees to make. Um <laughs> couple more here. So the Athletics acquired Starling Marte from Miami for Jesus Lazardo. Lazardo having a terrible season. Starling Marte having a sensational season yep. since coming off the IL. 23 steals on the year. Marte, an absolute speed demon and adds to, a, a, you know, the, the Athletics have great starting pitching. Their bats have kind of been off this year. Marte is a bit of consistency to throw into the top of their, their order. That's a huge one. That, I mean, O- Oakland's always one of these teams that kind of like you, you don't talk about too much. They don't make big moves, but this, this, this is almost unlike them to go after and, and acquire a guy like this, but this is a, this is a great, great addition to their team. Yeah. I'm glad Marte is out of the NL East too. Like that's, that's, that's a big positive for me. The athletics though, always known for being stingy and kind of keeping their payroll low and going for good value rather than just, who's the best player we can buy for hundreds of millions of dollars. So it'll be interesting. I mean, they've had such limited success because the Astros have been red hot in the past, I don't know, five years. 
I, I don't know if it'll be enough to surpass the Astros, but it's definitely putting them in position for a good. Well, I mean, they're they have the wild card right now, but that's like that's a, it's a good step that'll get keep them there, and I don't think it'll push them to win the AL West, but it's a starting point. Yeah, it definitely is a starting point. The the Astros didn't make too many huge moves. They they bolstered their bullpen a lot. They got Yimmy Garcia from the the Marlins, and they got Kendall Graveman from the Mariners. Just and, and Rafael Montero in that deal as well. So just adding to kind of their setup into the ninth inning. Phil Presley, the All Star, is going to still be their closer, but you know they're they're just bolstering. Whereas the Athletics trying to make a bigger move to to maybe make a slightly bigger splash. Do you know I know Phil Presley? Like I don't know if it's a cousin or I don't know how the relation is, but I know someone very closely related to Phil Presley. How? She played volleyball at Lehigh. That's the only reason I know. The same last name. That's the only reason I know it. And, like, the one day when the Astros were, like, in the World Series in college, she, like, posted about her in her story. I'm like, oh, all right. This, you know, could not have drawn that connection. Like, right. completely missed. But I'm like, oh, okay, this this makes way too much sense. It's pretty so, sick. Yeah. But that's just a, a quick – <laughs> a quick tangent we will get back to other <laughs> teams blowing up their rosters oh yeah no, moment's we hesitation. Had... <laughs> last one we're gonna get to here though is our our fighting phillies um made a couple moves the biggest one being from the texas rangers the uh kyle gibson ian kennedy trade first of all we talked about how the phillies need to kind of boost their starting rotation we had nola we had wheeler but everything else had kind of struggled we went out, we got an all-star in Kyle Gibson, who his last two starts aside has been sensational this season. He at a point, I think, had eight or nine straight quality starts for the Rangers, which is a very tough thing to do. Um, so, so great thing for the Phillies there to add a third solid pitcher into the rotation. And then Ian Kennedy, who's going to step in and become the Phillies' full-time closer. We struggled to figure that out, and Reese really hasn't, hasn't done a great job. Kennedy already has a save for the Phillies, and he's going to continue to be the everyday closer. You would expect – um, that, that was the biggest move the Phillies made, and they made a couple more. You talked about earlier how a Tyler Anderson trade with the Pirates kind of fell through. You said a failed pro, uh, physical from a prospect kind of nixed the whole thing. Yeah, that's what I was reading into. So we did not get Tyler Anderson, which would have been very nice to have because honestly, like in terms of any pitching, like I'll take it. I'm a little bit – I'm not really that greedy this year. But, yeah, they made some they made some little moves, and I think that's – where they should be at. They're in contention to still win the NL East. I mean, the Mets are in first place right now. They, I don't know if the Braves are half a game ahead or if they're half game below. They're, they're tight right now. But to me, you make these little moves to potentially bolster a lineup and kind of see where you go instead of just, you know, selling your entire prospects just to, to maybe get a wild card type deal. They will actually, by the way, they will not get a wild card. That's out of the question. They have to win the East to make it to playoffs. Yes, 100%. At West is the wild card. Is the wild card, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm happy to see Freddie Galvis back. That makes I, I love Freddie Galvis. Like I said, I no missed reason. that one. I woke up to it this morning. I'm like, oh, cool, he's back. So, yeah, yeah it's just it, it's a one of those – it's nice to see a friendly face. Exactly. Fre- Freddie Galvis has had a decent year, honestly. Honestly, probably the best year of his career out in Baltimore. Just – What's the point of him being in Baltimore? So might as well boost our infield a little bit, gives us an extra extra utility guy to throw around in the, in the second short area. And again, we just love Freddie Alice. Love Freddie boy. 
All right. believe that is most of the major moves from the MLB trade deadline. Again, lots of other smaller moves happened and, and were made, but these, we try to get the star players and the huge fire sale teams, the Cubs, the nationals, um, sending players in every which direction. I know we talked about uh, like the, the AL East, but was there an overall winner or loser of the trade deadline? I think the pirates are the overall winner solely because they sucked and they got rid of everything. Uh, Okay. Let's in terms of winners of the deadline, I think I was, I mean, obviously very impressed with what the Dodgers did, but that's also what a massive payroll and not like caring about spending does. Max Scherzer is just a beast, plain and simple. I think the Padres are another one just because Adam Frazier, I think is genuinely useful for them. And that's one of those, they didn't, they didn't give a whole lot for him. And also it's, I think there's potentially like to keep him around. It's not, it's not a rental, that type of deal. Uh, I mean, losers, basically anything that blew up their roster is probably a loser. Uh, I think the nationals, I don't know what the nationals really can do in the future at this point. Like they really just took everything and they it's, it's gone. The Washington, poor, poor Washington, but also not because I yeah, do not like them. Yeah. Uh, in the Giants are another one. I think that's a Chris getting Chris Bryant's a sneaky good deal, especially because Longoria has been out and is going to continue to be out for a long time. It team has been riddled with injuries late here, but still, you know, able to hold first place. Chris Bryant is as a superstar. That, that's yeah. the first offensive superstar they have. Like that's that's an extremely important piece. Yeah, I think and the win, another big winner is us as fans and also the MLB in general. Like this was. I would say the best trade deadline easily within the last 10 years and probably in our lifetime. I mean, we oh, were yeah. biased. We'd say like, like, Oh wait, Oh nine. Like when Cliff Lee got traded. Cause that's, that's us was just so massive and what the Phillies did. But in terms of overall, like bombshell after bombshell, like a ton of all-star players got traded, which is to me kind of insane. And yeah, I think this is good. It's, you know, late July, We'll ramp up in August, September. We'll finish up regular, and then we got playoffs in October. So it's ramping up to be. It's weird to say, but it's like sort of all-star teams, quote unquote, where you got just the best players playing against each other. Like it's going to be the best version of baseball there possibly can be, and that to me is exciting. Even if it's even if it's not going to be the Phillies in the playoffs, like it's going to be some pretty damn good baseball, which is enjoyable. That's all you can ask for at the end of the day, in the end of September. All right, moving on here out of baseball. Now we're going to head into the NFL. Whew, the Aaron Rodgers saga is finally coming to a conclusion. He has met with the Packers. He plans to play for them for one last season as he helps them prepare for his exit. Who knows what that means in terms of retirement or playing for another team, but he will be back in Green Bay for one more season Rumors have come out that it's potentially contingent on them, you know, getting Randall Cobb back on the team, which is a little random. But if it makes Rodgers comfortable, you just do it. Sure. Um, Never it, draft Randall Cobb in fantasy, though. Just the, the, I want that to be a warning because I've drafted him like every few years. I would draft him like this is his year, and just now he's so unproductive. 
he has his moments in individual games, but he is not a long-term fantasy franchise player. Um, Rogers, however, though, is um, this is huge. Is he and you know he? We talked about that that moment on Instagram with him and, and Devontae Adams posting like the last dance type picture. So this essentially seeming to be that. Do we think this is then also Adams last year in Green Bay? I would tend to believe so. I, from what it sounds like, Aaron Rodgers, this is his last year, and then they will, like, I, I don't know if he'll retire. I don't know if he'll go somewhere else. That's sort of up to debate. I would imagine Devontae Adams will want to go somewhere else. I mean, they stopped the long-term discussions for that reason. Uh, what's going to be awkward is the last dance, obviously well-known for the Bulls, and they won the championship there's a pretty good chance the Packers will not win the championship this year. Yeah. I mean, with Rodgers and Adams, there's a chance. Well, for oh, sure. yeah. It's not like, but... it's not like a, you know, a, a Philly team that I happen to like <laughs> where it's looking very bleak. Hey, hey, there's still hope. Still hope. I'm not counting Damn. out. But it, my problem is, like, assume Aaron Rodgers retires into the season. This is the last dance. If he goes out with such a whimper, like I know a ton of players do that. Like Dan Marino's last playoff game, if you've never seen it, look it up. It's atrocious how bad he played, and he was to the Jaguars. It's it's pathetic, and he rode off into the night, never to be seen again. If Rodgers goes, if I'm going to assume they win the NFC North this year, I don't think any team can really compete with them. Maybe the Vikings a little bit, but they're not gonna they're not gonna usurp them. That's like the Bears would need to have a kind of a flukier type deal on the Andy Dalton baby. <laughs> they need Justin Fields <laughs> to start if they're gonna even be in a position to maybe compete. But if they don't win, like that, I don't know. To me, the last dance is so synonymous with like winning and retiring. I I just I don't see it happening. I don't. But he didn't really retire. Rides into the sunset and it's all like sunshine and rainbows. I would like that. I would love that. But we all want to pretend like Michael Jordan actually retired after that. <laughs> okay, listen. He for for all intents and purposes, he retired because he basically well, only came back because he was offered stake in the Wizards. You know what I'm if not wrong. what if what if Aaron Rodgers pulls up Brett Favre and he retires and then leaves and goes plays for the Vikings for a year and he's terrible and then he retires again and then he comes back and he plays for the Jets for two years and then he's terrible again. <laughs> You know, I could honestly see that. I really could see him retiring and unretiring. I actually, I think that's I think, probably the most likely scenario at this point. But you see well, what I mean? Put your money it's down. Just, I, football is tough because you don't really have repeat winners unless you're the New England Patriots. I mean, maybe the Bucks do this year. Who knows? But to me, like, the Packers still have to address a lot of different concerns. I mean, their defense still isn't great. Sucks. Aaron Rodgers is you know, the reigning MVP and can do a lot, but it's clear that he needs a bit of help. And I don't know if he'll get it. I, I, to me, this smells like NFC championship again and a loss. It really, it reeks of it. Welcome to the world of Aaron Rodgers life. <laughs> I, I feel bad because the guy is like one of my, in terms of generational talents up there, like he's not as good as Tom Brady, but athletically he, you know, he inspired a group of gunslingers. You got Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, et cetera. So to me, I would like to see him go off with another championship. I don't think it'll happen though. And yeah, he, his presser, if you haven't watched that, 
he ripped the package for a solid 15 minutes, unfiltered, unadulterated. And I'm sure at the first chance, the Packers will want to disassociate themselves with him. But I'm sure they're kind of like, we have to keep quiet or Jordan Love starts, and we don't want that. Mm-hmm. No, they do not. Not, not quite yet, anyway. Um, but yeah, so the Rogers saga has concluded. And, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen concluded with Sean Watson? Is a strong word. Con- concluded or taken a breath, I should say. It's like an intermission. Um, yeah, let's call it halftime. Uh, all right, moving forward, the Ravens bring in linebacker Justin Houston on a one-year deal, adding to their depth as they are going to be rearing up to try and compete with the Browns for the AFC North Championship. I hesitate to. I hesitated to not mention the Steelers. Uh, we'll see what the Pittsburgh Steelers can do. I will say though, Minka Fitzpatrick was criminally underrated in Madden in the new Madden ratings. Only an 89 overall, only the 10th really? best safety in football. He is literally the best safety in football. That, that he and TJ Watt are the only two players I will genuinely argue as like top top tier NFL players on the Steelers. That that hurt me to see Minka that low on that list. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Madden, Madden ratings came out. Uh, they're, I would say, fairly reasonable. People always like to get up in arms about Madden ratings. But, you know, I think a lot of the important positions are pretty well covered. Yeah. Aaron Donald's a 99 for the fifth straight year. Fun fact. That's great. You got people like Mahomes. Jalen Ramsey was a 99, which I thought was a little surprising. Not he was because a new one. I just – it's hard to rank corners that high. And Jalen Ramsey's – a very very good corner but to me i don't think i'd ever rank like there's very few corners i would say are like just incredible like dion would be one uh wow that (laughs) it was just Deion sanders who darrell revis you know darrell revis maybe it's because he's in the jets but i like i'd probably a little low on him as i should be Revis Island was definitely a thing but like i also probably watched him more than the patriots and i didn't think he was that great Oh, he wasn't that good on the Patriots, but he was on the Jets. He was the best cornerback in football. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But also, there's so many corners, <laughs> Eagles, that are, are, are bums. And uh, not Damn to say no. Darius Slay is. I just think uh, the Eagles have had some troubles in the past years with corners. You would never hate on Darius Slay. No, I, no, I think Darius Slay is a very good corner. And um, I hope he – as I hope him as number two, because he switched his jersey, is uh, – at least good because you know that seems like a curse waiting to happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. Who knows how Eagles defensive backs like to play? Um, I do. You want to hear something really unsurprising? Sure. Yeah. Lay it on me. Carson Wentz is out indefinitely with a foot injury. Uh, yes. Yes. My. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was grinning ear to ear. Unfortunately, when I heard this news, and I feel bad <laughs> to saying that. Yeah, Carson Wentz is out indefinitely. Foot injury. It seems like he could heal up and potentially not have to use surgery, but it seems like he could have minor surgery done and then kind of go from there. This to me, it, I feel bad because like I want Carson Wentz to like actually like do well. Cause I, I really hope it wasn't anything like he gave up in the Eagles because he, he didn't like the Eagles fans, <laughs> but also it does feel a little good knowing we traded a franchise quarterback and he's hurt again. It's more like I feel I have I don't feel contempt for Carson Wentz. I just feel I feel like the Eagles actually made, made a decent move for once. And that 
that gives me a little bit of joy. You definitely want to trade, and that has to feel good. Well, we'll see. I mean, Carson Wentz, maybe he'll come back and, you know, be the MVP he should have been. But Maybe we'll never hear of him again. You know, I feel like that's more likely, but I'm sure we'll hear whispers of Carson Wentz on, like, random NFL trivia questions someday. Yeah. Who almost won an MVP for the Eagles? <laughs> a lot of people. All right. Well, if, if this conversation of football has got you excited about football and getting excited for it to come back, you're in luck as we are getting very close to the start of the season as the Hall of Fame game is going to be this upcoming Thursday between the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, it's not a huge mark. It's just preseason, but it is the mark of the beginning of the season in the NFL. Rosters are starting to get finalized. You know, we're going to start to see the last few cuts as the preseason rolls on. Um, I'm excited to get to see my team, you know, roll out. Hopefully the starters in the first quarter, maybe even a little less. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what Big ben, Big Ben's got left in the tank. We'll see if Devontae, Deontay Johnson knows how to catch a football. Dwayne Haskins era. Dwayne Haskins hopefully going to get some snaps in at running back, get some halfback dives in. Oh, you ain't getting that, my boy. <laughs> Apparently that. he did better than Mason Rudolph at our uh, our like training camp, and hey, it didn't surprise me. That yeah, didn't surprise me. I'm not even that mad about that, to be honest. I hate Mason Rudolph, so <laughs> that's fine by me. But uh, just exciting that football's back. We were talking about this a little beforehand, that we're getting closer and closer to the start of the, uh, the regular season. Yeah, and, you know, I – my, I can have my heart ripped out every now and again. But, yeah, the Bills have set up training camp. Uh, so I'll probably have to go next week to go check them out. I'm very excited because it's going to be it's gonna be a good year for Buffalo, I think. And, you know, not not, not the Eagles. <laughs> I'm, I'm so pessimistic and I hate it because I'm usually, like, reasonably optimistic. But I, I'm, I'm not holding my breath this year. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for the Eagles because I think it'd be hilarious if they end up winning that division this year. But like, who knows honestly what's going to That division is going to be scrappy. It's going to be whoever gets to seven wins is going to probably win it. That's why it's so, such a wonderful time, and the NFL needs to change the rules. But we digress. Moving forward here into the world of basketball where we had a fantastic draft this past Thursday a lot of young players getting their futures started up in the NBA. Do a little recap here. We tweeted out the top 10 picks to start as expected. Detroit took Cade Cunningham, best player in this draft, and at least in my book and on a lot of people's um, charts. Lots of teams made some bids for him. The last real big offer we heard about was uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and I think it was four first-round picks. And they said no. They kept Cade. They are committed to Cade. Um, I, I, I respect it. I think this is the start of the true rebuild for Detroit because I think they found their franchise piece. I think they found the guy that's going to lead them maybe, you know, into the playoffs and hopefully for them to the promised land. Yeah. I think Cage is probably the most NBA ready prospect and really does check all the boxes. He was the consensus number one pick. If the Rockets had moved up, they wouldn't have drafted Jalen Green. They would have drafted Cade as well. So to me, I think everyone knew it and the Pistons got a pretty good piece to, I'd say, move out of rebuild. I think it'll take a little bit of time. Did you see his interview, though? I saw parts of it. I was I was in and out as I've had a, a handful of people in my home over the past few days. So after he got drafted in an interview and 
at the end, the reporter asked, so what do you like, what, what do you have to say to the Pistons and the Pistons fans about wanting to call like a nickname for you as motorcade because you know, Pistons, engines, motorcade, et cetera. And he goes, Oh, like, give me a second. And I thought he was going to like pull out like, like something like maybe in his jacket, he was going to have like Pistons logo, like swatched in or whatever. No, he pulled out like sunglasses and put them on and said, I, it, I don't even know what he said. He was like, I, I'm ready. You know, I'm happy to be in Detroit, all this. But the moment where he puts on the glasses, if he does not pan out, we'll be memed into oblivion. I can assure you that. I don't think oblivion. it'll happen. Oblivion. He, but it was, I watched it and was just like, like it, I felt like I was entranced with the draft and then just got snapped out of it watching it. I'm like, what's going on? Making a statement, man. I did see that, actually. I did see that part. I, um, I don't know if that will happen, but. Great stuff. Um, we'll get to Detroit, though. They had a pretty solid draft all around. Um, but Kate Cunningham obviously being the big highlight. Number two, Jalen Green went to Houston. Um, he's a Bradley Beal-type scorer and offensive threat. He's going to be, you know, he's, he's going to fill in as their top scoring option. Maybe not right away, but hopefully down the line in the next couple of years. That's what he developed into. And then who picked third? I am completely blanking. It was on the Cavs. Who got. It was the Cavaliers. That's right. They drafted Evan Mobley. Um, great pick, honestly. Doesn't He's a great player, and that's why it makes it a great pick. The issue is he's a seven-foot center, and they right. have a seven-foot center. Mm. In Jarrett Allen, who's young and able to resign because of the way his contract works out. It'll be interesting. They're a young team, so they can kind of just split those minutes down the middle. They're not going to really make any push for the playoffs as they're probably going to trade their best player, Colin Sexton, this offseason. But I... I just I, I, I thought they were going to pass, to be honest, or trade the pick. And that's honestly what I would have done because they just – I love Evan Mobley, and now I'm worried he's not going to pan out as well as he should have. Maybe. I, I would see it more like they would try to trade Jared Allen. Really? They just acquired him, but I think Evan Mobley's got a lot more upside. Like, Jared Allen's good, very defensive-minded center, but I think Evan Mobley kind of does both. Like, it's like the yeah. Embiid-Nerlens Noel complex where – yeah, you have Nolan Noel, who's, like, serviceable in defense, but Embiid could, like, do both. This is a few years ago, I mean, when Embiid was developing. I think that's the smartest move, unless Evan Mobley really just sucks, but I tend to believe that won't happen. Sure. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of teams that could use Jared Allen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, anybody can use a rim-protecting rebounding center. So I, I actually agree with that. I just don't think they're going to trade him because, like you said, they oh, just got not. him. You you got to at least see if he get, does any better than Drummond did, which yeah. he seemed to, which is why the reason, you know, the team success went down, but his personal success was up. So we'll, we'll see what they end up doing at the center position. It might be good for Mobley to come off the bench for a year anyway just to kind of get his feet set in the NBA. A lot, of, you know, not a whole lot of surprises, but some of the bigger ones that that came across. So, the, we're gonna get to the trade that the te- that involved the tenth pick in the draft. Um, but Memphis was selecting, and they took Zaire Williams. They were drafting for the Pelicans. Zaire Williams is a, hy- a hybrid athletic shooting guard, small forward. He's he's going to be a very good basketball player. You mentioned though he played he played uh, this, this high octane high school sierra canyon with a couple couple of sons of nba talents Bronny james 
Zaire Wade, mm-hmm. a couple other great. He played with Josh Christopher, who was drafted in this draft. Yep. Um, a couple other big names. The issue for me with him, he went to Stanford, played a year there. He's really young. He, he's one of those guys that just – he really would have benefited from another probably two years of college. He, he's, we're not going to really hear his name in the NBA much until maybe two, three years into his career, unless he makes some big strides. He can't shoot yet, which isn't great. He's a solid rebounder and all-around player, but he's just – in terms of NBA readiness – I don't, I don't think the 10th pick is where he should have gone. You're not wrong, but with that being said, like he probably would have served like two years of development in college, but he did get picked 10th overall, so he made the right decision. Like It, it worked That's out true. in his favor because he's getting probably – I would imagine he wouldn't – if he got drafted higher, it would have been like a, probably a few picks. I, who, who knows? But that's my line of thinking. Maybe, like, honestly, be it would suck because I know when you get to the NBA, you're like, I want to play, I want to develop. But maybe a bit of G League time for him would be good. I agree, especially because they don't, you know, they don't need any shooting guards right off the bat. They got Dylan Brooks. They got Desmond Bain, who was an all-rookie second, second team player. Um, you know, they, they don't need to rush him. They, have, they can take their time, put him in the G League, let him play rather than just kind of sit on the bench. Right. You know, that, that's important for players. Let, let him get comfortable at this level or at least close to this level. And then give him a real chance. So long term, it's a good pick. It's just you know it, it was the shocking nature of it when there were there were a couple other good guys and names on the board. And the other one that really caught my eye, and you know th- this is going to be from the general fan, and then I'm going to explain you know why I could be wrong. Uh, I think it's Josh Primo at 12 to the San Antonio Spurs, a foreign guy. I don't know much about him, and as as the general NBA fan may not. The Spurs, however, tend to know more about international players than most anybody else in the world. They have had such a large amount of success in terms of drafting and acquiring international talent. So I am hopeful to believe that they did make a calculated and educated decision here. But in terms of my knowledge about this player, it's very, it's very little. It felt like a surprise, especially given some of the names still on the board. But again, I'm not going to doubt what pop and the, and the Spurs are doing with drafting and drafting this guy at that 12 spot. I was, my surprise was uh, Chris Duarte getting drafted at four or at 14. I think to the Pacers, I don't know if it was 13, 13, or 13 or 14. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you get one to the Pacers. And I thought that was just, I thought it was just high. Like mm-hmm. he's the oldest person in the draft. Nothing wrong with that. He's 24 now. So he's older than you or I. And I feel better. I mean, He's probably the most NBA ready because, well, other than like the top picks because he's so old at this point. But in terms of where that development goes, I don't know. And that's a little concerning. But yeah, he went higher than I would have expected, but nothing wrong with that. Dude, we got to talk about the Warriors, though. First and foremost, the Warriors uh, fleeced just Timberwolves in that D'Angelo Russell trade. Not fleeced, but like they, they got. They had the seventh and 14th pick. And the sixth pick I thought was going to be Jonathan Kaminga, the other G League and Knight player alongside Jalen Green. They picked Josh Giddy. Is that his last name? Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy. And while I would have probably have selected Kaminga over him, I still think that's a good pick for the Thunder just because I think the idea of foreign prospects is like, like playing overseas in like professional leagues, I think will. It's going to 
show how much that's going to pan out versus like college in a few years. So I think it's a good pick, but Kaminga playing in the G League, I think is very useful. And the Warriors got a power forward, small forward, who I think with some development is going to be really, really good. So your starting lineup, or just in general, you have Steph Curry, who played phenomenal. Clay Thompson, assuming he's healthy, and I really hope he is. You got Draymond. Kelly Oubre can give you some minutes. Uh, Andrew Wiggins will do something. You're Kaminga now, and then Wiseman. Like that's that's a nutty roster, and yeah, as Kaminga can kind of pan out. That's that's a terrifying team. It's a great pick for them. They're a team that's going to need to bring in veteran depth to their bench, but Kaminga, sure. athleticism wise, one of the best in the draft. Um, it's going to take some time for him to really become a useful player, especially in terms of his scoring ability. But he's got good guys like Wiggins and Ubre to kind of pave the way because that's the style of player he can really be somewhere in that two to like four type area. He provides some length. He provides some some defensive versatility. Yeah, no, that that was a great pick for the Golden State Warriors. It was, you know, they got up there because of that awesome trade and and they landed. They made they really made it pay off in terms of, you know, getting back what they what they gave away in D'Angelo Russell. Um, big winners and losers in your eyes. Anybody that really stood out team-wise in terms of, of how they did this draft? I, I think, I mean, the Pistons, because I, I really do think, and I, I don't want to, like, keep harping on this point, but Kate Cunningham seems to be that cor- franchise cornerstone piece, or at least as was everyone is saying. I hope he pans out. But the Pistons go from the Blake Griffin era, which really didn't do much, to now the Cade Cunningham or the Motorcade era, as he so kindly put it. You got Jeremy Grant in there as well. Like I think that team is starting to develop. It will take some time, but mm-hmm. you know they're moving in the right directions. Plus, they got our guy Luca Garza. They got, got him. Got round. He did get drafted, so he did. Little, I called. You, little. I, I said late second round. I said I was pessimistic. You, you but were, I said no because when we first talked to this, you know, I think he's going to not go get drafted at all and I'm like, I mean, he was close he's 54th okay but he got drafted that's not what, that's not what matters whatever either way though I I agree in terms with the Pistons as they had in my in my eyes the best overall draft of any team they, they picked up Cade they picked up Luca Garza like you mentioned my boy they also got JT Thor and Isaiah Livers so some some guys who have been in college for a little while know what they're doing Pistons have had some recent success with young players as both Isaiah Stort and Sadiq Bay made rookie teams last season they're a very young, very ready and hungry team. It's going to be a little while until they're really able to compete, but lots of pieces in place for them. Lots of young talent, lots of, uh, what was the term I always use for the Celtics? Um, assets, lots of assets in Detroit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, just a great draft for them. Some solid veteran college players at the end of that draft. I really liked what they did there. Um, and then another team, you know, you, you got to mention the Thunder just because the the magnitude of picks, six picks. Giddy was the interesting one that we mentioned, but then they made up for it as with the 17th pick, they got Alfred Sangoon, who might be the second best center in this draft to Mobley uh, out of Turkey. Like you mentioned before, we love our Turkish players. Trey Mann, a couple other guys. Also, Aaron Wiggins got drafted by the Thunder. Thought that was fun. See if he'll pan out at all. And the Rockets, Jalen Green, going to be an excellent scorer. Uh, Us- Usman Garuba 
going to be I, – I, I don't know too much, but I've seen some of his defensive highlights, and he can just he, – he's a built, built dude. And then Josh Christopher, another prospect, another guy that I thought could have benefited from another year of college, but he's going to be a great scorer for them as well. Those are my big winners. Did you have anybody else besides Detroit on that side of the thing? I talked about the Warriors, and I'm probably biased just because they already have a great core, and I think adding Kaminga to that is phenomenal. They got a guard at 14. I'm blanking on the name, but I think that's – like in terms of depth, always good. Uh, Did they get Moses Moody? Yes, it was. It was Moses Moody because Kendrick Perkins was having a fit trying to say his name. That's all I can recall from that. What awful announcers we had during the NBA draft. Awful broadcast. I would tend to agree with that. They were they were not great, and you and I were slandering them probably a little too much. But, yeah, they, it was not Never. good. I do enjoy a little bit of, like, I'd call it, like, bar talk in the sense like it's it's not just related to sports so like joking around having a good time but they 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 were a little bit too much like it was the one guy was talking about uh was it alperettes uh they got drafted to uh the thunder and yeah they said his first name and then the one guy was like no it's pronounced like this that's how you pronounce it in turkey and Kendrick Perkins was like, oh, look at this guy. He's been to Turkey. <laughs> like, I'm like, all right. Like, sorry the dude's been traveled. I don't know. Ken- Kendrick Perkins weighs more than your refrigerator, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah. I digress. Uh, anyway, I think the Warriors were a winner. I mean, the Pistons, obviously. Uh, another one, uh, it's tough because there were just – I mean, the Timberwolves are the big loser of the Knights. Yeah, they were, they were one of the big losers. I was also I would also say the Miami Heat were a big loser as they did not participate in the NBA draft or any any draft day trades. Sure, I think um, another big loser is Pascal Siakam. Period. So <laughs> Scotty Barnes, I think, will replace him. And I, just, I assume so Siakam will be traded somewhere at this point. I mean, they could play them together, but I feel like that's sort of. I think they could. They'll they try. could, but you got sort of it's like Lowry and Bleat play the same position. I mean. Lowry will be gone, but you have kind of had that. That was a weird mesh. And now you'd have Scotty Barnes and Siakam, like kind of a weird meshing in two. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. And they didn't, they didn't do much with their late picks either. Uh, the Magic were one of the big losers to me, to be oh, honest. Yeah. With, so with, with the exception of James Preston, because the guy out of Ohio, the guard, because I love his story. You know, not a high prospect, gets to Ohio, makes a big name for himself during the, during the tournament run. Oh, wait, I think he went to the Clippers. Oh, was he drafted by the Magic to the Clippers? Yeah. Yeah, never mind. Okay, so cool. The Orlando Magic were the big losers of the draft. They had the fifth and eighth picks, and they wasted both of them. I don't I don't know what this hype around Jalen Suggs is. I really don't. We talked about this a little bit before. He's, he's A, really young, and B, only got hot really – like, he was good and great during the season, but he really just got that good, like, top five good – during the tournament run, it was just – it felt a little rushed in terms of, of putting him that high in the draft. So, you know, he fell to them at five. So, at least, you know, it, it wasn't the worst pick. But with guys like Fultz and Carter Williams, it's, it's kind of get, going to get crowded in terms of guards for them. I know they suffered a lot of injuries at the guard spot, which maybe they're a little worried about. But it's – he's not this the, – the top caliber player, but then Franz Wagner at eight out of Michigan. Look, I love my Michigan guys. I love them to death, but Franz Wagner, 
he was the worst player taken in the top 10. He was one of the worst players taken in the first round. I mean, eight, are you kidding me for, he, he's a solid defender. He can't shoot very well. He, he, he's limited severely on offense. I mean, he's, he's fine. He's worse than his brother who's getting cut by every team he signs, but oh man, at eight, I, I kept seeing him at 10 and I was like, what is this? Like, this is such a weak draft. And that, to me, that's what really proved it. And the, the fact that it was the magic screwing up just warms my heart. Cause again, I do not like the Orlando magic. Well, that's the problem where the, I think the Jalen Suggs one, I don't mind that pick because I think he was the best player left, or at least based off the hype. You can you can debate that all you want, but yeah, it's rough because they have so much front or sorry backcourt uh, depth now because they have Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz. Uh, they it's it's going to be a mess for playing time, so that to me is a problem. But the, I mean, the Magic though are kind of dumpster fire because they also have some like backcourt depth issues where it's just like too much they're just they need a small forward who can do something mm-hmm. and and well that's... Jonathan Isaac if he can be healthy yeah yeah uh also I mean I think the one that was polarizing then we talked about this on Thursday Davian Mitchell went to the Kings I thought that was a pretty poor pick because now you have Fox Halliburton and Mitchell who would play guards you think he can be a small forward, which I don't disagree with. It's a good pick in terms of defense, but I think the Kings will have issues in terms of getting all three guys playing time. I think the Kings will have issues because they're the Kings, of course. I did. I see like a Lou Dort type player in Davion Mitchell. Hopefully, he stays as hot as he was on offense. I mean, he shot forty five percent from three in his in this season last season at Baylor. Um, we'll see if that you know translates to the NBA. But the defense is there. The groundwork is there. And, if you're a little short, you know, he's not going to be able to guard every small forward. But he's going to be, guard, be able to guard a handful of them, especially as the league goes smaller and smaller. I, I see. And, and Halliburton's like a 6'5 point guard. So worst case, he can maybe switch on to a couple extra guys that Mitchell maybe can't. I, I see the potential. The Kings have so many more issues than having drafted Davion Mitchell, though. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> well, that I knew, but it was like every year. They've been in the lottery for 15 years. They have the longest playoff throughout the NBA. And – None of the picks have panned out. The, I mean, the closest one would be Tyreek Evans, who was the rookie of the year, and we kind of saw how that ended up. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I guess don't know. Fox is probably the next closest. Yeah, yeah okay, actually, yeah. T- Darren Fox is a great player. Just he got But he was help. a fifth pick. I mean, he should be. Sure, for sure. Uh, uh. But those are probably the winners and losers. You know, who knows? I mean – the the NBA is weird like that, where I'm assuming the next rookie of the year would be Cade. That, I mean, seems like the most logical conclusion, but I'm sure there'll be some surprise picks thrown in there that will be actually very serviceable for their teams. It's going to come down to who gets playing time, and that's you know 100%. always how it is. Always does. Injuries play a factor. You know, who, who fits where plays a factor, all that stuff. But at the very least, 60 guys plus everybody getting signed had their futures start on Thursday, last Thursday, the NBA draft concluding. That wasn't the only thing that went down Thursday as we have a lot of trades to get through through the NBA. And we'll start with the biggest blockbuster that we've had since James Harden. That would be the Los Angeles Lakers acquiring Russell Westbrook to yet again put LeBron James in the middle of a big three. Russell Westbrook, LeBron, and AD. The trade to the Wizards was for Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Montrez Harrell, along with the Lakers' first-round pick from last uh, from Thursday's draft. 
couple picks sent to to the Lakers as well, a couple second rounders. How many how many superstars does it take for Russell Westbrook to win a championship? <laughs> the answer seems to be four because it seems like three wasn't enough. Yeah, I mean, this is a scary super team, but th- I mean, you have three max players. You are going to be gutted in terms of who you can actually sign. I mean, granted, people probably want a ring chase, so maybe you'll get some veterans on some cheap deals, but it's I, you have Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, great, phenomenal team. You can fill that out with THT. Yeah. Which I, I guarantee Avery Bradley's coming back to the Lakers. His option just got declined by the Rockets. I, they, they said, watch out for teams he's already played for. I guarantee Avery Bradley's coming back to the Lakers. But he's going to need to sign for like a million dollars. He's even. going to. He's yeah, terrible. I know. I, know. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I just – I don't think Russell Westbrook is really what the Lakers needed. I mean, he is an f- exceptionally good player. Hold, well, let me, let me yeah. speak a yeah, second. yeah, yeah. Anthony Davis, great. LeBron James obviously can do a lot, but from what it seems like, they kind of need a bit of shooting. LeBron can kind of do it, but I don't think he wants to. AD, paint player, I mean, he can stretch the floor, but you know, not really an incredible three-point shooter. Russell Westbrook doesn't solve that problem. You need to get sharpshooters. That's kind of what they're missing, and Russell Westbrook will probably average a triple-double on that team. I'm sure the assists will go through the roof because he has some of the best players around him to pass and score with. But I, I see I see that becoming a mess. I, I see what you're talking about. They have to fill the rest of the, the roster with 3 and D players, essentially, which is why I thought trading KCP was a little concerning. Um, yeah. he's not, he had a rough shooting year, but he's still a solid defensive player. Again, received as many Defensive Player of the Year votes as Jimmy Butler. Um, but yeah, they have, they have, they have to get shooters hundred percent. I'd expect them to, if they have the money to go after somebody like Duncan Robinson, if he becomes a, an unrestricted free agent, um, which I actually think that he just offered him his qualifying offer. So he isn't, but breaking news, regard, regardless, that's what they have to, you know, fill out with, you know, you, you say Russell Westbrook wasn't the right piece for them necessarily, but I do think like, like it's a caveat because you're right. He's not the right fit necessarily, but I, I do think it's enough. I think they're going to be the favorites to win the NBA championship, or at least win the West with that team. Well, yeah. Regardless of who fills out the rest of the roster. Yeah, the odds right now for them to win the title next year, like plus 450, which I don't know if they're the highest, but they're definitely up there. I'm sure the Nets yeah. are probably the favorite. But to me, I, like I said, I just don't think Russ, Russell Westbrook will be enough. They need shooters. Like his athleticism is unparalleled. He's a great facilitator, but like LeBron already kind of does facilitate. And I, I don't know. I'm not like Russell Westbrook time and time again, though, has not lived up to expectations in the playoffs, obviously. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to be skeptical right now. I'm sure halfway through the season, they will do well. And I'll probably backtrack on my words and go, well, I didn't see that. And then <laughs> probably by the end of the playoffs, I'll be like, I told you so. I feel like that's how it's going to go. Yeah, no, that's usually how these things end up. Like we say, this is our opinions, and those usually don't go for very much. But <laughs> I mean, they got him like dirt cheap deal in terms yeah, of no, what they had to give up. 
the Wizards, I like what honestly what they've built though. I think Beal yeah. with Kuzma and Harrell could actually be interesting. You need a you need a point guard now this offseason. Raul Neto is not gonna cut it. Raul. But but uh I, I think the framework of their team is a little clearer now and they have a couple more pieces that and, and Harrell's gonna slot slot in as that starting center with Gafford probably as the backup. So that's good for them. What was interesting Another, well oh. going back to that, I was at work and saw that the Lakers were trying to acquire Buddy Heald. And it was like, well, they're going to trade Harrell and Kuzma for him. Okay, fine. You know, Kings, Kings, it's just rebuilding hell constantly. So no big deal. I saw that drove home. And then I saw Lakers are going to acquire Russell Westbrook. And that I got utterly incensed by. However, as we found out, the Buddy Heald trade fell through. And those pieces that they were probably going to go for Buddy Heald minus KCP were then thrown to get Russell Westbrook, which to me, like, if they got Westbrook and Buddy Heald, yeah, I'd obviously be concerned and would probably, like, agree the Lakers should win, the Lakers should win the title. Mm. Now, if they do or not, that's up to them. But, yeah. We'll see. They have all the pieces they could want, I guess, right now, except for shooters. So, we'll see what they do. Um, but the Lakers, obviously, well, well in – or, excuse me, put in a very good situation to succeed next season few other trades here, though, to get to pretty much right after we finished our episode last week. There was a deal between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies that sent Jonas Valanciunas to New Orleans to be their new starting center, and it sent Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe to Memphis. Bledsoe specifically is not expected to stay in Memphis. Um, it also saw the swap of the 10th and the 17th picks, which turned into Zaire Williams for the Pelicans and Troy Murphy III to the Grizzlies. This was the most nothing trade that has maybe ever happened in the history of basketball. Like I said, I don't know why. Like, the Pelicans are just, uh, like, offloading stuff. I love how they get, like, Steven Adams, I would say, is the best player in that deal. And nah, Valanciunas. You think, really? Oh, Valanciunas is so much more valuable. Steven Adams is big and strong, but Steven Adams sucks. Steven yeah. Adams isn't a good basketball player. Jonas Valanciunas is a very skilled basketball player. I don't think it was – like, I don't know. Just the, it seemed like the, uh, the Grizzlies got – they got the 10th pick as well. Like it didn't, I don't know. Steve, Steven Adams, I think is fine. I, you, you have me flabbergasted. Just the, the Steven Adams slander. I don't know. I it's, like, it's not really slander. He's just like, I have, you know, I had him on my fantasy team. And when you got a big seven foot monster who averages eight and eight, it's just like, what are you doing? Robbie, I just like big, strong men. Can you leave me alone? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a massive <laughs> New Zealand or, Live your truth. Live your truth, Baker. Live my truth. But anyway, (laughs) uh, yeah, you're right. Nothing trade. Eric Bledsoe, though, can we just talk about a sad journey that man's been on ever since he forced his way out of uh, Phoenix? Went to the Suns, did a bit, and then he was offloaded to get Drew Holiday, and now is getting offloaded again, probably, because I don't think Eric Bledsoe has any use in uh, Memphis, considering they have a man named John Morant. So who knows? Better. Yeah, I would agree. Even now, like even right at this very moment. Right now. Yeah, 100%. Um, Anyway, though, that was just, you know, got to inform you. Got to inform you of the big ones. I got to tell you. And then the the 14, well, turn from a two to a three to a 14 deal, more or less here, between the Celtics, the Kings, the Hawks, and the Mavericks. So I'm, I'm, I don't, I haven't tracked the picks that were swapped in between here, but I'm going to track the players here. So, 
the big thing was Boston uh, got Josh Richardson from the Mavericks, and then they also got Chris Dunn and Bruno Fernando to try and fill out their roster. The Kings of all teams got Tristan Thompson for absolutely no reason, although they are impending on losing Rashawn Holmes to free agency. Um, DeLon Wright went to the Hawks as they tried to pick up their backup point guard. And then Moses Brown to Dallas, nice young center piece there. Hope uh, maybe for him even going to slot in as their starting center next year, aside uh, alongside Chris Stapps at the four. Um, maybe not the biggest blockbuster trade here. Could potentially be Boston gearing up to trade Marcus Smart. I've heard the Heat, of course, heard the Heat have interest. Um, Tristan Thompson of the Kings, like I said, maybe just to replace Rashawn Holmes, assuming he's going to want more money somewhere else. Um, I get who won this trade in your eyes. No, it's irrelevant. I don't <laughs> even care. I, I mean, the Hawks, I think it's reasonable because they got DeLon right. But I don't know. They, well, wait, this one included Josh Richardson, didn't it? Yeah, J- Josh Richardson went to Boston. That, that was like the, that was the last minute detail I just found out about uh, yesterday. But that's intriguing. But I think you've seen it. I've seen it on the Sixers. You saw it on the Heat. Josh Richardson is good, but I don't know really what that does for the Celtics. I mean, you could say it's bench depth if you have Jalen Brown at the two. I I don't know. The Celtics are kind of like throwing stuff at a wall and just see what sticks. Getting rid of Tristan Thompson is probably good for them because Tristan Mm -hmm. Thompson needs to go to like purgatory in the case. Because Al Horford gets to start at center now. He will. He actually will. And they traded Moses Brown. Like, it's perfect. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not, like, it. that's one of those four-team deals. It's like, this is irrelevant. So, this is an, the fact I have to cover this is, is just a burden. <laughs> but here we here are. Here we are. Anyway, that's what we got for the NBA, the draft being the big thing, and then the Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers, the other massive piece here. The offseason really now starting to get underway here. As free agency is going to start in, in a week or two, I believe. And that's that's going to send everything into chaos. Sign and trades, all of that good stuff. One last thing to get to here is going to be the Olympic Games, obviously in full force here now. Just uh, some, some quick updates here. Sunny Lee won the all-around gymnastics, or the women's gymnastics gold, even after Simone Bile had to bow out due to injury and some mental health issues. But it was awesome to see Sonny Lee be able to, to bounce back like that and capture the gold narrowly, but still did it for U.S. So shout out to her. Uh, I apologize if I mispronounced this name here, but Elaine Thompson, hurrah for Jamaica, broke the women's 100 meters world record in track and field with 10.61 time. A uh, little bit faster than my time back in the good old days. Um, but, but so great job for, for her and for Jamaica, I think clean house and cleaned house in terms of the women, women's sprinting medals. So great job for them. And then the United States men's basketball team starting to get back on track here after two massive victories over Iran and Czech Republic. I say massive victories, not in terms of, uh, imponent difficulty, but in terms of final score, um, uh, just two dominant games. They were able to play the basketball that we're accustomed to Team USA playing. Rosters now full with with Booker and Holiday and Middleton. I, again, I expect the U.S. to win the gold in in basketball. We won't find out to the end of the Olympics, but either way, back on track a little bit here. Again, we'll come back with some more record uh, record breaking moments and awesome just Olympic quality showmanship here that we're going to see over the course of the next what is it still we still got like over a week left 
Yes. Yeah. The two. All right. So that's what we got for you guys this week. We hope you enjoyed the, the trade deadline coverage, the draft coverage, Aaron Rodgers saga, all the good stuff. Um, as always, we'll be back next week with brand new content, hopefully some more trades among the NBA teams. And we'll see how all these new trades affect, affect the world of baseball and then the playoff pushes teams are about to go through. Have a fantastic rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Yeah, happy 50th episode, everyone. Uh, happy 50th episode. Along. Congratulations, man. Yeah, we're coming up on a year, actually, very shortly, end of August. So that's been interesting. I think our lives in the sports world have changed so drastically in the last year, which is pretty cool to see. And, um, yeah, I hope you keep listening to us. So take care, everyone.